point for me of embodiment is really about your ability to to function through agency where you're coming from a grounded place of truth within you that is not being influenced and is not available to project distortion. Welcome to She Leads First, a podcast for female entrepreneurs who are ready to build a brand that will become a revenue generating machine. Hey guys, I'm Emily Sincata, a brand and business strategist with years of experience in both marketing and online product development. Each week, myself and my guests are going to share our own experiences and knowledge with you so that you can figure out exactly what about your brand is going to keep people coming back for more. You'll leave this podcast equipped with the confidence to tackle those big goals that are going to scale the impact of your brand and your bank account. It's time for you to embody that CEO energy and start leading first. After all, you're building more than just a business. You are building a movement. On today's episode of She Leads First, I am joined by my friend and colleague, Victoria St. Fleur. Victoria is a business embodiment and personal brand strategist, and her work is devoted to personal and professional reinvention for female business owners building embodied brands that fully represent them and their mission in this world. She is a master at understanding what is going on in our brains and in our bodies behind the scenes that influence our decision-making processes, particularly when it comes to how we show up in the online space and how we show up in our businesses as entrepreneurs. This conversation is is soul filling and nourishing. And I know that you are going to gain so much insight into even your own decision making processes based on the conversation that her and I dig into today. So without further ado, let's head into today's episode with Victoria. Victoria. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to She Leads First. How are you doing, my dear? Hi, my love. I'm excellent. I'm doing quite well. How are you? I'm doing so good. We already basically had, for you guys listening, like a whole podcast episode off air. And then we were like, wait, 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 let's turn the mics on because all of this is getting so good. So needless to say, I have a really exciting, we have a really exciting episode in store for you today. A lot of juicy conversations and a lot of juicy conversations about the coaching industry, about ourselves, about embodiment, about deconstruction. We decided we're like, we have so much to say. So this might be a long one. So buckle up, but get ready because it's going to be a good one. Victoria, they already heard your introduction right before the episode, but for those who haven't met you before, can you give us the rundown who you are and what you do? For sure. I feel like who I am is such a, uh, I'm just like, damn, like that's, that's an immediately very deep question, but I'm, I'm a business embodiment mentor. I feel like that's the easiest way to solidify what it is that I bring to the table. And I really work with women who are building businesses and who are building personal brands, who are interested in that intersection of personal and professional development, but in a way that really alchemizes a business where what you do is matching up to who you are. Yes. I'm going to even summarize that as like you cut straight to the chase for people. And something I love about you. So Victoria and I met back in a mastermind and I remember you came in and you were saying something and you were just pulling in an observation. And I was like, 
oh my God, like this woman's brain works in pattern recognition, like even more than mine does. And I think I'm somebody who works in patterns and loves finding patterns, but you can just cut to the core of what's going on in somebody and what's coming up in the conversation that's like the layer beneath the conversation. And especially in business, that's so helpful to be like, okay, what's actually getting in the way here? What's actually coming up? And so I was so excited that you said yes to come on and be a guest because everybody needs these conversations. I know right now your big thing is embodiment, embodiment in business. Can you talk to me a little bit? I know this is like a big answer, so I'm ready for it. But what does that even mean for somebody who's like, I've never considered embodiment in my business and how that comes into play with my strategy? First of all, let me just say, I feel like you just nailed what I do better than I have ever been able to. So like, thank you for seeing me because <laughs> that's exactly it. Like very much so the piece of pattern recognition. And I, and I want to say like that for me is very much so related to embodiment because for me, embodiment is almost like a, by definition, it's, it's a synonym to manifestation, right? It is giving form to an idea. It's giving form to something. And I believe that there are components, there's principles of embodiment. I think it's been very much so a buzzword that Mm. has come through within the coaching space and within kind of like the business space. And for me, the piece of embodiment is really how you express your range. Like how do you express and bring your range as a human to the table and in business is how do you monetize? How do you represent your range through your brand? And what I mean by range is not compartmentalizing yourself, like not Mm. compartmentalizing yourself, not having these fragments of yourself. And the point for me of embodiment is really about your ability to, to function through agency where you're coming from a grounded place of truth within you that is not being influenced and is not available to project distortion. And I think that it's, you know, the way that I talk about embodiment sometimes is it is something that comes in waves and it's the, the, the it's like this period of time. I believe that like we move through a practice of embodiment. It's what I repeat in patterns that I become embodied in and that what I, what I eventually have a level of like self mastery over. So I think it's this repetitive process of coming back into self mastery and self actualization so that when I show up in my business, like I know exactly what I represent. Like I embody the values. I am the living, breathing, walking, talking testimonial of this brand of this business and what I'm here to facilitate with other people And because I'm grounded in that, I am no longer grasping for the validation through my business so that I can actually be in a place of service rather than servitude. And and I mean that in the space of like delivery to other people and delivery to the collective and delivery to the mission of that personal brand and what I stand for versus being in servitude to allowing myself to be manipulated by the projections and what's expected of me and what I think I should be doing where, where the potency of, of what I'm here to deliver is lost. So I feel like there's, there's a conceptual very much so, and kind of like intangible side 
to the way that I speak about embodiment. But essentially for me, it's that when somebody comes across your business, they know that you live what you sell. Yes. Oh, that's a good way to sum it up. And yeah. <laughs> as you're you're speaking and you're describing all this, I'm like, what it really feels like and what it really comes down to with embodiment is addressing all these these mind games that come up for us as we go through building our business. Because as we know, like the strategy is just it's 50% of the equation. It's an important 50% of the equation, and we're going to get into that too. But the other half is how do you execute it and not go into these spirals of self-doubt and these spirals of needing the validation, like you said, and doing things that feel out of alignment. And then you feel embarrassed because you did something out of alignment. And I think alignment is another good word to kind of start making it feel a little bit more tangible because I think people have experience and ideas of what alignment means to them. But my journey with this started, and I would love to hear where yours started. It came from a place of in the first year of my business, I sat back and I realized it doesn't feel comfortable for me to be on in my business. And I don't like that feeling. It almost feels like when I go to speak, there is something that I'm hiding, but I don't know what it is. And it felt like business in some aspects was a performance. And that's when this started to become something that I wanted to pull into my conversation because it was, okay, something's off. What is it? Totally, totally. And definitely the points of alignment and, you know, the other piece that I'll just say with that in my experience first coming into business was really discerning what did I have experience with? What did I have expertise with? And what did I have education with? And, you know, simplifying that again, like that for me really encompasses the piece of embodiment. Like what had I, what had I lived through, but that I was still skilled enough because I think, I think another piece that I'm going to just drop in here is because of the, lax standards that we have around business development, especially in an unregulated and online space, there is not an emphasis on the necessity and the integrity required to bring skill to the table, you know? So I think that this was something else was I had to really evaluate in the beginning, like, what was I skilled with? Because there was a lot of, you know, I'll say imposter syndrome even. And I think that imposter syndrome sometimes is like the intuition speaking and being like, you're not embodied, babe. And I think that that's something, and I think something that I had to also, right. And again, this point of like being truthful with myself, I had to be honest enough to evaluate when something was not meant for me to pursue at that time in my business and not getting ahead of myself because I felt like I should be further along. And the mental gymnastics of that process really was an argument between what was true and what was ego, yes. you know, and embodiment for me is again, almost like this space in between where you can discern and it's this ability to attune yourself back into being like, okay, my ego really wants this, but this is what is true. Right. And my ego either telling me, well, it's like, oh, you're not qualified. You shouldn't do that. And the truth being able to be like, yeah, you're right. You're not qualified. You shouldn't be selling that. You you aren't qualified. You shouldn't be doing that. Right. And then also knowing the moments when imposter syndrome came in, that it was my ego downplaying something because I was scared. And the truth of 
coming back to my embodiment and saying like, no, I actually have this. And this is something that I can pursue. And I think that that for me is, is where has that practice become like a filtration system for me in business where I'm able to really not just regulate myself emotionally, but really regulate my decisions that everything I do is coming from a grounded and honest place. And, you know, this was something I just said to you before we started recording is, you know, when you run an honest business, you really don't have to worry about anything. You're not really overthinking things. And when you are really in a grounded place of embodiment with yourself, you're not in competition with other people from a place of ego, you're actually able to be in a point of competition to say who can deliver a better product. And that's a conversation about business that has nothing to do with personal development. And it really allows us to reframe the concept of competition where me, myself, my value, my perception of myself is absent in my ability to just remain objective and look to, again, be in a place of improving the product for the sake of service. Yes. Okay. I want to step into the whole, is it personal development or is it business in just a second here? Like, is it a business problem or is it a personal development problem? But I want to pause and zoom in a little bit on this conversation of, is it imposter syndrome because you're actually not ready for something yet? Or is it imposter syndrome because your ego is coming up and telling you you're not ready, but really you are ready? Mm -hmm. This is a topic that I get questions around a lot. How do I figure out which one it is? And I would love to hear your point of view on this and how you've started to differentiate for that between those two for yourself. So- This is another good angle for embodiment, right? So this is the angle for embodiment of the body and what is your ability to tune in and feel yourself, right? Like what's your ability to really feel yourself? And this was something for me, right? And I'll just give a little of my own backstory in this. I am sober now for the past four and a half years. Prior to that, I am an addict of like 15 years in and out, like daily drug and alcohol user. Mm -hmm. And I was so dissociated. And I was so disconnected from my body. And my only way of really being able to be in my body was in a place where I was self-medicating or in a place where I had to like distort myself chemically to even be able to like interact with myself, my emotions, with the world. And when I first got sober, I could not tell the difference between a thought or a feeling. (laughs) Like I could not tell the difference between a thought or a feeling at all, right? So reason that I'm sharing this, my experience was that my nervous system was so intensely dysregulated and I was stuck in such a state of survival that imposter syndrome was in some ways, I, I think of it as... It was the closest thing I could get to like a Jiminy Cricket. Mm. It was the thing that wanted to scare me out of doing things that I wasn't ready for because I was afraid of like intimacy and connection and closeness and proximity. And I, I didn't trust people. I didn't trust myself. Right. And on the other hand, it was the th- it was the thing that really kept me hidden. It was the thing that kept me separated. So it was it it, it was just, right. The first thing I think that's important to notice is like it's a survival mechanism. And the more that you start to work on 
moving out of survival, allowing your nervous system to rest, right? Rebalancing your hormones, having a more grounded, regulated state to respond to the world from your improving on your self-regulation, your emotional intelligence, how you process triggers. That same imposter syndrome is going to grow and develop as well. Like, and I think this is important to say, like, regardless of if a a part of us is functional or dysfunctional, as we grow and elevate, this part of us is going to grow and elevate as well, right? Mm -hmm. So what I want to say is the development of imposter syndrome for me is that it started to develop almost like more of a conscience is what I want to say, if this is making sense, right? So it came from being this like purely survival mechanism that was not discerning. It wasn't really, it wasn't really smart. It didn't really have any rhyme or reason to it actually merging with more of a sense of intuition. So I share that piece for people who might be able to relate, because I think that for those of us that have experienced long periods of survival, we may not realize that there is a growth and development as well with our ego, with our imposter syndrome. So the biggest feeling of discernment for me is one, is this feeling of imposter syndrome coming up in me from a regulated, grounded place, or is it coming up in an intense trigger? Is it coming up with intense fear? Mm. And, And these questions also required me to have like an emotional Rolodex where I could even identify like, what am I feeling? What can I give a name to the feeling? Is there a sensation that's behind this? So the way that I discern this and differentiate this for myself has been consistently coming back to the body, like coming back to the body to inhabit my body, to be in my body, to reassociate myself with my body. So that when that imposter syndrome comes up, is it coming from a place of integrity and intuition where I think of that is like, is it coming from the whole of W-H-O-L-E, or is it coming from intense fear and an intense trigger where it's coming from the whole H-O-L-E? Is it it coming from a place of fullness or is it coming from a space of deficit? Is it coming from survival that there's ego and there's grasping and there's like finger pointing and there's angst and there's anxiety and there's charge? Or is it coming in like from this whole place of, I acknowledge that this is something that you want, but you're not ready? Or is it coming in from the place of like, I know that you're scared, but you can do this? Or is the voice of that imposter syndrome coming in like, like you can do it, it doesn't matter, right? Like it's just kind of dismissing, is it dismissing of, of kind of like what I know to be my integrity? You know, is it dismissing something like, it's like, oh, it's like, you know, as long as you're able to do this, you should be able to talk about that, right? Or, you know, you just need to believe in yourself. Or I'm trying to mindset my way through something that my body is clearly repelling. Yes. So I I feel like this is kind of like a complex answer to this, but I say this because imposter syndrome and intuition, right? These experiences that we all have are so subjective and so particular to the way that we relate to ourselves. But I will say that the more you do the work in learning to relate to yourself and the more work you do and really becoming accustomed to your nervous system and your sensations and your internal dialogue, there, there can be at times subtle and over time um, really profound differences in the way that voice speaks to us. And I think it's really, what's your capacity to be honest? I love 
the wholeness of that answer. I really do. And I feel really validated if I can be so vulnerable on the other side of the screen because I had a very similar experience with learning what was my intuition and what was imposter syndrome or the ego or fear stepping in to stop me from doing something I was meant for. And for a different but similar root cause of I had suffered trauma in my early 20s that caused me to shut off from my body. And so this piece of coming back to your body, when I said you said that, I was did a little internal like, oh my God, yes. Like, thank you for saying it because that was the key for me as well of unlocking, oh, this is what's actually going on and this is what's actually coming up for me. And I can start to differentiate and discern what these feelings are that I'm feeling. I had to come back to my body first because our body is telling us like you're having a, especially as women in business, right? Like we have these physical almost reactions to the external things that are going on and the things that we want to do and the things we want to manifest. Our body's telling us in pings, but if you are used to shutting off your body and not listening or you're just not in tune with what your body is telling you, it's so hard to differentiate. This is even a hard conversation. Like It is a big conversation to bring to people to explain oh, if you want to do better in business, a piece of this is you have to get better at listening to your body. Like that can sound crazy and backwards and like a weird side mission. Yeah. There's, there's so much I can speak into this. And I know you, you were saying you wanted to kind of bring in that piece of like what's personal versus professional development. And I think that this is a real segue into, into speaking into that, because for me, this is the personal development. And this is the thing for me. I need to come back to my body so that I'm not so susceptible to what everybody else thinks I should be doing. And this is a point of, you know, I feel a really cliche way to say this is like, it's it's where you give your power away. But yeah. more so is it's where you give away your agency and it's where you give away, you give away what could otherwise be courage. And what I mean by that is you give away what could otherwise be courage because when you're not in your body to be like, yo, I know you're scared little baby body, but I got your back. You're not going to have enough experience to quite literally fail and fall on your face enough times to develop the business acumen required for you to know and understand how to deal with difficult business situations. And when we are in avoidance of ourselves, when we are in avoidance of our bodies, when we're in avoidance of being embodied, we are going to be incredibly unstable in the way that we manage our business. And every time something happens, it's like, oh, what does this mean about me? And it's like, it means nothing about you. This is about business. And it's like, yeah, but you know, they didn't buy my offer. And it's like, so let's evaluate and audit the offer. And then it's like, no, no, no. I think I'm going to spiral for two and a half weeks because this must mean that, you know, I'm just destined for failure and totally inadequate. And it's like, why don't we pause and let's look at, you know, where else in your life do you need to make everything mean something about you? Mm-hmm. Right. And it's like, where does that going to lead us to reveal again? Right. My, my pattern recognition brain. It's like, oh, right. And, and from a personal point, I'll even say this, you know, I remember I had this one experience with a client and um, she was like, I really want to work with you. And I was like, hmm, do you now? I was like, OK, come work <laughs> with me. And then she was like, yeah, but I'm not sure. And I'm like, you're not sure about me. And I would get on my phone. And I would look 
And I'm like, she read my message, but she didn't answer my message. It says that it was seen 40 minutes ago. And then she would met, like, she would go to message me and I would get like contracted. And I saw myself feeling like resentful. And then, I mean, she did the most God awful thing someone can do. She hired another coach and you want to know something better. I had worked with this coach before and I was like, I should tell her what a horrible experience she's going to have. Right. Like, it's like, I thought it's like, Mm -hmm. and I was like, Whoa, I said, where do I do like where this, this all feels really familiar. And I was like, this is what I used to do with, with boyfriends. This is what I did when the guy didn't answer me, when he didn't text back, when he didn't take my advice, when he didn't do what I thought he should do. Right. This is what I did when people didn't, listen to me. And I was like, this is my codependency. This is my saviorism. This is my anxious attachment. Of course, I feel uncomfortable talking to you now. Why? Because in anxious attachment, you only feel as safe as you did with your last interaction with that person. So just take that into context of business. And if you're anxiously attached to your business and you're not making sales and you're projecting all your crap onto your business, you're only going to feel as safe with your business as you did the last time you were working in it. And if you're creating this pattern and this experience of like completely disembodied interactions where you're just outsourcing and projecting, you're not able to be stable or courageous or actually evaluate what's happening in the business because you are internalizing and processing this as this incredibly personal thing Um, When incredibly, when business is incredibly objective and it has nothing to do with emotion, it has nothing to do with emotion. And I think that being a part of this industry and hearing like, you know, we're channeling in this new wealth paradigm and this new quote unquote feminine led business. And I'm like, you know, it's like this surrendered state. And it's like, well, first of all, we need to talk about the fact that most women, what they call surrender is actually a fawn response. Ooh. Because surrender only comes when there is safety first. And if you don't feel safe in your business because you're projecting your your attachment and your codependency on it, how could you feel safe enough to surrender? And where are you fawning? Where are you giving away that power and that agency and that embodiment in hopes that you're going to get safety in return? Safety in the form of money and clients. And where is that codependency that's used to picking up crumbs? Where is your desire for the paid and full clients really just mirroring a part of you that's accustomed to things like love bombing? And you want to be love bombed by clients because the other part of it is it's unsustainable. So where are we creating these incredibly dysregulated spaces of business that are so disembodied that are actually looking to attract these patterns of feast and famine, all or nothing, you know, like, and there's so many angles I could speak into that. However, my work and why this matters to me is like, we need to, we need to get you back in your body. We need to regulate your nervous system. We need to address your patterns. We need to address your projections. We need to address your dysfunctional way of relating to your business so that you can, one, learn business, and two, you can learn to refine your skills of relationship because business is about relationship. And if you can't build relationships with people, you can't make sales. Absolutely. You know, so it's, a, it's, it's I feel like it's this complex beast in business. However, there's nothing I have ever found that has highlighted these dysfunctional parts of myself to the same extent as business, because the thing about business, there isn't a person on the other side 
to, to blame it on, right? It's not like I can go blame it on my boyfriend or my partner or my friend or whoever it is. It's like business is a revolving door of people. Business is a revolving door of people. So business is going to mirror you back to you. Yes. And money and money is an amplifier that is going to amplify all of your dysfunction. So when people are getting mirrored and their chaos is being amplified and they're like, whoops, I don't think I can do this business thing. It's it's not that you can't do the business thing. It's that you haven't done the embodiment thing yet. So you haven't even been able to begin to really learn the business because when you're embodied and when you're solid and when you're grounded and when you're regulated, business comes easily. The hardest yeah. part of business is the, the personal development part. However, because this industry does not have a balanced resource for both of those, th- those pieces, right? We tend to look to personal development to make up for business development. Mm-hmm. Amen to that. It's such a big conversation and I think you just brought it back beautifully because even as I'm listening to you, I'm like, I want to make sure people understand that all of this work, it's going to influence how you do business, but it's not the business. Like it's not the business work. It's different than the business work. All of the things that you need to heal and you need to work on, yes, they're going to show up in your business in patterns because like you said, you're you're chasing out any validation that you're seeking it because of an unhealed part of you that's going to come forward and you're going to seek that in your business. Mm-hmm. And that's when we're chasing those validation highs and it's like we feel great when things are selling and we're like on top of the world and it's almost this like anxious feeling of excitement. Yeah where you know it's unsustainable, it's like an adrenaline rush, and then this huge crash comes the moment you feel rejection or you feel like it's not happening anymore. And then it's like you have to go, you go find your coach and you go look to them to be the thing that pulls you back up because you haven't learned how to regulate it yourself yet. But none of that is your business strategy. Without question. And you know, and I think the other thing that's really underrated and I'm so grateful that I had this experience is when it all starts to work, when it all starts to come together, when the strategies are working, when the business starts to build, but you have not yet really anchored in a brand that is embodied, you will have a lot of money and a lot of misery. Mm. And I had this experience back in February of last year in 2022, you know, my business in the beginning, you know, 2021 and December of 2020, January 2021 was when I kind of was like, all right, I'm here. I'm going to do this thing. And uh, the first 10 months of business were brutal. I had a lot of $0 months and I had a lot of just, no, it just wasn't working. (laughs) And it took me like nine months to have like my first one-on-one client. And it took me nine months to make more than $1,000 in a month. But after a $0 month, I went from a $3,500 month to like a $4,000 month to a $12,000 month to a $40,000 month. Mm-hmm. And then I sustained between twenty dollars and $40,000 a month for about 15 months consistently. But after that first $40,000 month, I'd never felt more lack, more scarcity, more fear. And to really, you know, just tie in that point of vulnerability you shared, you know, Brene Brown says scarcity is about a lack of vulnerability. Mm. And and this is something massive for me is that so many people are trying to chase making more money because they think they have a receiving problem and what they have is an intimacy problem. They have a vulnerability problem. And it's they want 
they want money to make up for what they're not willing to give right right like contribute from 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 a place of embodiment and being able to and that for me is the range right like mm-hmm. i can bring into my business this range where like i'm a messy human and still receive like love and being seen and being seen is different than the validation you know just to say in business for me but you know this was this was something that i realized was you know, you can make the money. It's like until you make money and you're still miserable, like you'll never understand that money doesn't buy happiness. You know, <laughs> and I had that and I'm just sitting there. I have $40,000 sitting there and I was just like, this is never going to happen again. What's it like? What am I going to do from here? It's not enough. I need to make more. I can't believe this. Nobody bought something in two days. It's like, girl, you've never made more than $30,000 in a year in your life before this. Like I'm a high school dropout. I'm a college dropout. It's like, Victoria, what what are you talking about? Like two years ago, you know, I think that's really important to say, you know, I got, I, I got sober in February of 2019. You know, that was when I really, really started to prioritize how honest I was in my personal development. Two years later, I had a $40,000 a month in business. Like, like my growth and transformation was monumental. But Rapid. even in all the work I did and, and the success I had, I still didn't understand, you know, what was it that was going to actually make me happy, you know? And I think that that's really important to say. And through the past year, you know, I realized after I had, I, you know, I came in my first year in business, I had a $14,000 year. And last year was a $300,000 plus year. Like that growth was also just wild. Crazy. And, mm-hmm. Yeah. And then this year I was just like, I don't like the offers. The brand's not embodied. This isn't true. This isn't real. This doesn't feel honest. This doesn't feel good. Let's dismantle the whole thing. And I knocked like my, my, like I knocked my reoccurring income down by $15,000 a month. I left myself with like less than, you know, I left myself with like $5,000 in reoccurring revenue. I was like, I'm willing to rebuild this thing from the ground because if it's not real, I don't want it. And you did it. I want to highlight this because I remember watching you do this. You did it publicly. You shared this process on your social media and you shared what was going on. And that's something I really admire about you. And I know that it's what attracts people to you. You have this really beautiful way of sharing honestly and sharing openly without making it about you and without making it like, I don't think this is what you're doing, but just as a comparison of what some people fall into on accident is more like trauma dumping on the internet. Yeah. You never fall into that. Is that a skill that you've sharpened? Has something shifted for you in your life where you've learned how to do this and the importance of sharing openly? I would love to hear how you have this courage because it does take courage to be so vulnerable on the internet. Some people are just afraid to share their backstory. Yeah, I I appreciate this. Thank you. And, you know, I think that this is something really interesting. And without going down like the human design rabbit hole, something that I really leverage is like my my human design profile, right? Which is like the two numbers, like the two numbers, right? So I'm a three, five profile, which the easiest way I can say it, I learn through trial and error and I lead through other people's projections. And those two things, I believe as just, right, it's not, I've become that because this is my profile. The profile is just reflecting who I am. That's, that's been the jam, you know, that's been the thing is this incredibly 
solid place for me now of like, I'm not scared of me. There's nothing that's going to be too big. There's nothing that's going to be too dark. There's nothing that's going to be too twisted. You know, I acknowledge my power to be harmful, to be hurtful, to be narcissistic, to be dangerous, to be volatile, to be cruel. And I embrace that. And it's because I know what that looks like in action that I choose to be someone who does not act out from those places And it's because I've made peace with it that I'm not afraid if you see it, right? So that for me is when I speak again about range, right? And I think something that's really important to know is that you only learn about what's embodied because you're able to clock your disembodiment, your disjointedness and embodiment. It's only that you know what's in integrity because you know what you're refusing to integrate, right? And I think that it's building my threshold for for honesty, it's building my threshold for honesty. I have a very, 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 very low tolerance for honesty. And I think other people receive that as me being intense or spicy mm-hmm. or direct or assertive or polarizing. And I think that all of these words kind of villainize honesty because that's yeah. really all it is. It's really all it is. It's like honesty, honesty and truth is sharp. It's sharp, but it's not sharp in the sense of like, it's piercing. It's sharp in the sense of, for me, it just like, it trims away the fat. It just trims away the fluff with things. And that's very much how I am. I think, you know, especially having an otherwise kind of dark past, you know, that I don't hold shame about, you know, and I've, I have, I have very interesting opinions on shame too. Is mm-hmm. like, I don't hold shame because shame is never for me. I don't believe shame is actually for us because if I was the only person that existed on this planet, there would be no shame, right? So shame requires other people. Shame yeah. re- is a requirement for other people to be present. So who do I hold shame for me or for you? So if I'm not actually doing and speaking and living and expressing myself the way that I want because of shame, I'm still living for you. And I did that for 15 years in a completely medicated state. And it almost cost me my life. So I'll be damned if I'm going to be here in the world, building a brand, expressing myself, doing what I do and water that down because somebody else is going to be activated by the fact that, that, who I am is, is honest and is truthful. So, you know, I think one of the things that for a while even made me really uncomfortable was understanding that the vulnerability for me is not in like my fear. It's not in my screwing up. It's not in my failures. It is not in my, cruelty. It's not in my being triggered or making a mess. It's not in my projecting. It's really in my success despite that. I was just thinking on the receiving end of it, it feels like safety. Receiving your truth in the way that you put it out where there's nothing to hide. There's no malintention behind it. It's not even framed as sometimes so I, I got a little stuck on the piece. Not I agree with what you're saying, but my brain went to some trends I see in the online space right now around, oh, I'm just being honest, but really it's just being mean. 
it's honesty with an agenda where there may be a truth to what's saying, but there's also a piece of the ego coming forward in how it's being said that positions one above the other. But I never feel that in your post, which is where I say it it feels like safety because you you truly, to go back to what you said before, it comes across as you have nothing to hide. It, it's honesty for love. It's honesty for the person on the receiving yeah. end. Totally. Totally. You know, and you know, I think one of the greatest things I've ever heard from a client, they said, you love me enough to be honest with me. That's beautiful. You know, it's like, it's love for mm-hmm. humanity. And, you know, the, and I love how you phrase that of like, it's honesty with an agenda. And it's, you know, one of my mentors, she said, she said, honesty without compassion is cruelty. And that was really important because when you weaponize the truth, yes, you're going to make people fearful of it. Like your agenda is to scare people and it's a power play. And it feels like that's even where we get into the messy area of strange, I'll say, coaching dynamics where I would love for you to even go into more like what is a fawn response? I know you brought that up. Like what does that mean for people who might not be familiar? And we can briefly take this into the direction of coaching, client dynamics and giving your power away there because it's almost like we outsource our ability to regulate ourselves and understand what's going on for ourselves to our coaches. And that seems to be almost an accepted pattern in the industry that's perpetuated. Yeah. And as you're saying this, like, you know, I'm just saying, I really enjoy my brain sometimes. Because as you're saying this, I'm like, oh, actually, I have, I have, I have some nuance here, and I actually think I have a really unpopular opinion to, to contribute to this piece. So I love the know, nuance for sure. Like the and I and the other thing I want to say is like, you know, from an embodied perspective, is that you are always operating from neutrality, where you can see all ends objectively without needing to get emotionally invested. Mm-hmm. And you can like hold your opinion back, right? And I think that's what allows me to see patterns and trends and to kind of evaluate like what's going on here so I can extract like, it's like, well, what is actually true about this, right? So the point of fawning, the fawn response is essentially, the easiest way I can say it is you're saying yes when you mean no, or you're giving away your agency, or you are doing something because you think that that is what is required in order for you to stay safe. Hmm. So, you know, I'll just say this in the sense of like, you know, in a very kind of innocent kind of example, because there's a huge range of how the fawn response shows up. But essentially, it's like when somebody's like, hey, will you do me this? Will you do this favor for me? And you're like, oh, yeah, sure. When you actually want to say no. Right. It's the fawn response of also like, well, what I want to actually say in my business is this, but people might get mad. So I'm going to water this down when people ask you questions in the DMs and you don't set a boundary. Right. So what I want to say is really fawning is when you agree to something, when what you really want to do is set a boundary. So, you know, and it's a it, it can. And I think there's something important to say here is like, right, like it can be, yes, a trauma response, but trauma isn't truth. So our ability to clock what I'm doing here is actually dishonest is where there's like, oh, damn, like I need to be self-responsible here and I need to unpack whatever pattern I'm playing out here in this dynamic of relating because this is actually dishonest. And even if it is unknown to me and it coming from a dishonest place, it's manipulative and it's not a, 
callous or calculated or insidious or harmful kind of manipulation. It's this is what I believe I need to do to get the need met to feel safe. But in doing that, we lose embodiment, we lose authenticity because it's not true. It's not honest. It's not real. It's not actually coming from what my needs are. It's not coming from that centered, grounded place. And I, I, you know, I've heard a lot of feedback and perspective around that kind of concept of manipulation. And I think, again, it's like, okay, it's like, let's remove all need for emotional charge. Manipulation doesn't need to be good or bad. There are times where manipulation will save your life. It's a necessity. And I think it's a skill we should all be proficient in. But I think that we need to be able to appropriately calculate when is this actually necessary and when is it not? Because if we are conscious that we do it and we are we are, we are fawning in situations that are not survival-based situations, meaning there is no actual threat to ourselves, then we have a responsibility to do the work around that. You know, we're allowed to fall as many times as we want. The other thing I want to say when it comes to like the transparency of talking to people in that vulnerability, grace is indispensable. Grace is indispensable and there is nothing you need to do to be worthy or deserving of it. It is quite literally like the vending machine that just keeps on giving. So no matter how many times you screw up in that process of unpacking what you're doing that's dysfunctional, there is there is 10 times the amount of grace. And I think that that has been something that I've leaned on is it doesn't matter how many times I screw something up, especially as a three line where my life is about being pre like receiving projections and trial and error. Like I'm the poster child for like screwing up and having a finger pointed at me. And I'm just like, listen, girl, like you get grace. You get grace for it. You know, I've, I've had some pretty massive screw ups in my life and I get grace for all of that. Right. And without that, I would not be able to grow. So, you know, that's one piece that I want to say there with the fawning piece. And, you know, where does this come in with mentorship? And I'm going to speak to this from like a zoomed out perspective of what I see happen. I see people coming to mentors, maybe fawning to what the mentor suggests and they're fawning because there is a feeling inside of that person that's just like, oh, this doesn't feel correct. This doesn't really feel like what I need. But here's the thing. Something else that I said right before we started recording was like the brain only knows what the brain only knows. So if the if your brain doesn't know that what you actually need from that coach is strategy, if you don't know that what you need from that coach is actually support in creating a business model, if you don't know that what you actually need from that 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 coach is support in creating your SOPs and your operations in your business, if you don't know that what you actually need is support with your copy or what you need is to revise the messaging in your content, or that you need to worry a hell of a lot less about the colors of your brand and work more on your brand values and your brand identity and your brand voice and the mission and who you relate to and who you represent, then yeah, like you can, you can, you can easily fawn. But I I also want to say it's, you can fawn because you don't know that there's another option because you have not been resourced with the information. So you are fawning out of ignorance. Mm-hmm. And I think that, that is, and, and this is so important for me and is like, I, I see so many people coming into this industry 
who have never really considered even having a business before. And they come here and they're like, oh my God, you make million dollar months. I want to start a business. And they come into business ignorantly. And then they're like, you know, whole new wealth paradigm, like feminine energetics, blah, 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 blah. You know, just go be yourself. Your energy is the strategy. And they're like, why isn't this working? I've spent so much money. How come I don't have this money? I hired the business coach. I did X, Y, and Z. What do you mean? It's like the, the, the business coach, the one who does breath work for business. It's like, I'm sorry, but like your lung capacity is not going to inflate your bank account nor is it going to increase your, it's not going to increase your reach. Like you want to go to somebody for breath work. Great. But business is business. And I think that this is a piece is like, there are, and I say this with love, but again, it's, it's just the truth. There's a lot of people trying to operate businesses who are incredibly ignorant to business. And there's people who are trying to build businesses who do not understand that business is just the exchange, right? It's the commerce. It's the exchange of goods and services for money. Brand is what makes somebody feel connected to you. And you can't build a brand without embodiment because if you don't know who you are, you will not know what you represent. You will not know what you stand for. And I think that something that really inhibits people's ability to feel grounded is you could have the rock solid mindset, but if you don't understand how to actually navigate a business issue well you know if you don't know how to uh, to build sustainability if you don't understand the sales and you don't understand the marketing and you don't understand how that element of business works you're going to start to blame yourself and you're going to start to really really dull your conviction and your confidence because you don't have anything else to turn to. So I think something that I want to say here is we have a lot of, and it's very interesting, right? And I know you'll know what I mean by this is like, there's a lot of people in business who are business ignorant and mindset sharp. Yes. And that combination is really, really difficult to then turn around and be like, listen, I'm not saying your mindset's not solid. You just have no idea what you're doing. And it's like, whoa, like, how does that exist? Yes. So now, and I think it's like, and it keeps this closed loop cycle of like, your mindset's really strong, but now you feel discouraged. So you need to have the mindset to keep going, but you don't have the skills. You don't have the skills. So now you need to do the inner work to figure out what's blocking you. And then you take the action and you have some momentary success, but you don't know how to build a sustainable business. So then it drops and you need to go back to the mindset. It's like, it's a closed loop cycle. And I think something that's so important, and I've said this for so long, like business coaches don't make money because they coach business. It's because they understand business. And it's really interesting. And I think it's a huge disservice. I'll I'll say this is like, if a business coach isn't teaching you business, why are you paying them? And know the answer. Because I know some people that are in containers that are business containers that do not teach business. They teach mindset, but they know that that's what they're getting out of it and that's what they need so they feel fulfilled. But Unquestionably. Evaluate and know that for yourself because I fell into a trap in the beginning of my business where I was jumping in what were on paper more mindset containers and I needed it at the time. So it was great. And I was learning the mindset, but then I got to this point where I was also healing during it and I was coming back into my body and feeling, and we know it's cheesy language, but my power coming back to me and and being very grounded in who I was. And I started looking around and saying, oh, wait a minute, (laughs) I have a business problem here. 
Like the gaps that I'm seeing in my results right now, it's not a mindset issue because I feel grounded. And I feel centered over here. And I know when something comes up and I'm off and I can recognize that and recenter myself. It's not that I need to manifest harder or I need to, you know, mindset harder. I see there's a gap in my business knowledge here. But yes. I think a lot of people, like we're not, well, conversations like this help, but there aren't enough forward conversations or maybe there's an imbalance of conversations in the space right now, letting people know, hey, you might just have a business problem. Unquestionably. And uh, can I say something like really, really spicy? Yes, <laughs> please. So one thing I want to say here is yes to that without question. <laughs> and the other thing is, Okay. So there's like two or three things, but one thing is really spicy. Okay. So one thing I want to say is business coaching is not just being like, what's the transformation you provide and what's the result of your offer. Business goes so much freaking deeper than that, man. Yes. Like, you know, and I think that that's incredible. Making posts about people need to pay their payment plans is not business coaching. No. <laughs> and I'm just like, oh my gosh. This is not the vibe. Like, this is not it. So one, I want to say business is vast. And if your business could only survive on social media, you know how to sell things on the internet. Yes. Oh, this is, we could do a whole other podcast episode. Yeah, that's on a whole other conversation. But if you, if you, and this is why for me, it was like, I want to understand business in a way more well-rounded way. So I actually learn, you know, I, I, I leaned out of this industry to learn from people who have brick and mortar stores, people who have scaled that's tremendous well. businesses, product-based businesses. I look at like the whole overall brand. I've been really discerning with who I hire around these things that, that, that piece I want to say, but the spicy thing feels like it flew out of my brain, but I know that it's going to come back. But there's... Was it not the payment plan piece? That wasn't the spicy piece? Oh, no, that wasn't the spicy piece at all. <laughs> that wasn't even the spicy piece for me. I know the spicy piece will will return for me within this. But, you know, the piece that I, I think that I've realized for myself as well within this experience of knowing, like, what's the gap of my business has also been that I really was forced to do the boring work. The thing that makes the internal and emotional work in this industry so appealing to people over the dull, boring, mundane business work is business is a game of patience and yeah. strategy and waiting and repetition. The personal development work fuels and feeds people's self-obsession and business has nothing to do with you. And people don't like that. Mm -hmm. oh, I want to like give you some snaps for that. Yeah, like that's, so that, feels, that, feels like snaps. that feels like snaps for sure. People love this because it's self-obsessed. It is. And people market not on based on what the value they provide to others, but from their own wins. And that's the kind, that's the truth with the agenda, because it's all based on pick me energy from this is what I do. And this is why I am superior. And this is why I've made money. And I think that something really important to say is there can be a lot of embodied leadership within that. However, when I have people come to me with something, I'll ask them a business problem and they're giving me a personal response. And I'm like, mm. honey, this has nothing to do with you. Are you capable of not talking about yourself? And they're mm -hmm. not. And they're not. It's like, but what about me? It's like, okay, so what do you think my problem is? And I'm like, you have some serious kink of like, you have some serious, serious kink coming up of like, 
needing it to mean something about you and be self-obsessed, right? So when we see people making these things personal, when it's business, it fuels that cycle. You know, this is a self-obsessed industry who teaches business through the lens of marketing self-obsession. Yes, it does. Oh, I already know I have to have you back on here to talk about this because (laughs) I'm like, that just opens up this other door that we don't have time to get into, but I'm so passionate about talking to people in my world about is your business can't fulfill a lack of intimate relationships in your life, no matter how deep those relationships feel online and with your coach and with your clients, but yeah. it's not real intimacy. And I think that even not, feeds not <laughs> to what you're just saying and this self-absorption mm-hmm. that we accidentally project through our brands mm-hmm. sometimes. Totally. And I, you know, I believe this is You know, I often will tell people, go get your emotional needs met outside of your business because you are not here to make friends. People Mm -hmm. owe you nothing. And this isn't about being liked. And I think that that's 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 been a huge piece for me, number one. And number two, that I want to say with that piece, just kind of in conclusion with this is embodiment solves that problem. Because when you're solid in yourself, you're actually able to give from overflow rather than it being this experience where you need to plug into other people to like siphon your 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 self-concept and your sense of self and you need to plug into people to re-energize right and I've, I've even heard people say this like as you know like a generator in human design they're like yeah but you know you and other people and riffing and that's where I get my energy and I'm an extrovert and I'm like that is still about reciprocity and exchange and period, the end. I mean, and, and that could be the difference of like running live offers versus pre-recorded. That like that's where that comes in for me. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to feeling resources, understanding this is about service and you carrying out a higher mission. And whether you call it God, source, spirit, the universe, whatever, is like the idea of your business was not put in you to be validated and be self-obsessed. It was about using, and, and this is what I truly believe here is. Personal development is what do I need to develop in myself so that I can go teach it to somebody else? Yes. To go give it away. Yes. Go give it away. And in every level and evolution of my business and my brand, because you know what I really represent and stand for is the consistency of self-reinvention, is I'm going to need to balance out and level out some stuff because life is that spiral path. Like you will have the same patterns and the same fears and the same things come up in business, the same codependency, right? The same projection, the same self-obsession. And to acknowledge that disembodiment and come back to my center to regulate that, to solidify that so that I can now lead from a new level, right? Like lead my business and contribute. And that is what is going to create the client journey where people grow with me, right? And like the transparency, the intimacy is going to come. And, you know, I've heard Kimberly Rose Pendleton said this and she said, you know, like intimacy is where I kind of see like, you know, the flaws in myself and I honor that so that I can see the flaws in you and honor that and that together we can coexist in that. And that's really what it is, is none of that is going to feel like vulnerability if you are solid in your range as a human, which is never going to just be a really refined presentation. And I think we've seen so much of that within this industry that we forget You are just as solid and valuable and potent when you wake up in the morning and you look like a feral bed squirrel and your (laughs) breath stinks and you didn't brush your teeth and you didn't shower for two days. It's like your message of what you deliver is not about 
you know, it's not about the appearance and it's not about the fact that you just had a blowout argument with your partner where you got triggered and explosive, or, you know, you were having a rough day and you projected that on a client. I've had those moments, but it's my ability to come back through the process of moving that stickiness, moving that stuck energy to come back and say like, and attune to like, what is true? Who do I want to be? Where can I choose that? Where can I just tune out everything else and be like, Vic, like, what is your truth here? What is, what is not the right thing to do, but where, where can you embody the values of what you believe to now operate and choose from that place? I've been able to turn the most horrific moments in my business into beautiful exchanges and finding resolution through that. And I will go and I will share that with my community Because the most damaging and unsustainable thing that I could ever do is give people the idea that they should expect some sort of maintained perfection from me because I'm going to fail them every time. And I really want people to love me for my range and not for my best moments. And I think all of that like beautifully is summed up by something you said in there. And I would love like we'll end it on this note because it's so simple but so beautiful is business is service. That's it. At the end of the day. You're providing a service. That's it. It's a contribution. Okay. This has been incredible. This is the juicy, nuanced, not black and white, but gray and everywhere in the middle conversation that I was hoping it would be. So Victoria, thank you so much for your time and your honesty and your openness coming on the show and sharing with everybody. If they want to find you, if they want to connect with you, what is the best place for them to say hello? You can find me over on Instagram at of root and branch. That's always where I am. That's always where you're going to find me. And I would love to to connect with, with whoever wants to come say hi over there. Beautiful. We'll link it in the show notes as always, you guys. But please, the best give back that you can do for my guests is to share this episode, share them, tag their handles, send them a DM and let them know what your biggest takeaway from the episode was. So thank you guys so much for being here. Victoria, thank you again. And I will see you all on the next episode of She Leads First. Hey, before you go, I've got two quick things for you. Number one, I want to say thank you so much for being here. It truly means the world to me that you choose to spend your time here listening to these conversations, tuning in with me, soaking up all of this information and everything that we are going through together. I cannot express how much gratitude I have for you for being here on this journey with me. With that said, number two, the second thing I have for you is I want to make sure that since you're here, you have my phone number. Seriously, I have an inner circle daily text list where every single day, Monday through Friday, I send out a positive affirmation or a journal prompt or something I've been thinking about, or even an aha moment that has completely shifted my perspective that I want to share with you too. So you can share in on everything that I am working on to grow and continue evolving and continuing to be the best version of myself. I want to share those things with you. And the best place to do it is through this inner circle daily text list. So if you want to get on this list, if you want to receive these messages from me, and again, yes, it's really me. It's coming straight from my phone. What you need to do is text the word community to my number at 213-606-3853. Again, that's the word community to my number 213-606-3853. 
3853. As soon as you send me over that tax, I will send you a message back with the quick details to officially register for this Inner Circle Daily Text List. And once you are all registered, we are ready to get to texting. The messages all go straight to my phone. I see all of the replies. I look at them. I send you messages back. So it is such a great way for us to connect and continue to work on our growth together. So go ahead and shoot me that message ASAP so that we can get connected.